And uh, for those of you who are relatively new to our church or have just been coming, uh, you may be aware we're in the middle of a sermon series uh, as we start this year on the way of wisdom. What more could we need more of than wisdom? I mean, there's so many decisions for us to make, many of which are very, very hard. And the scriptures tell us that God actually wants to give us wisdom. So please give your attention to the reading of God's word. Today's reading comes from Proverbs. When pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with the humble is wisdom. The Lord tears down the house of the proud, but maintains the widow's boundaries. The fear of the Lord is instruction in wisdom, and humility comes before honor. Pride goes before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. Before destruction, a man's heart is haughty, but humility comes before honor. One's pride will bring him low, but he who is lowly in spirit will obtain honor. This is the word of the Lord. Actually begging that you would meet us here. Um, Pride is something we all struggle with if we look at ourselves honestly. And your word tells us it's one of the things that really keeps us far from experiencing your goodness and your love to us through your son. This morning, help us to have soft and tender hearts and years to be able to hear so that our hearts would be moved towards you. And as we move towards you, Lord, we ask that you would move towards us and meet us, heal us, we ask in Christ's name. Amen. You know, we've been saying that wisdom has very little to do with actually being smart, but it's actually about navigating life well in God's world according to God's word. Think of it as being competent with regard to the realities of life. How do you become competent at life, skillful in life? That's wisdom. And we saw in the first week that wisdom actually begins with the fear of the Lord. That it starts when you submit yourself to God and he becomes the center and the foundation of your life. And last week we also talked about how wisdom is a path and not a door, meaning you don't just enter into it, but it's something you stay on. And our hearts have to be oriented because the heart is the compass of our lives in order to stay on that path because there are so many other paths drawing us away and saying walk away from the path of wisdom. But ultimately, staying on this path involves staying near Jesus. And today we're going to look at pride. We touched on it a little bit last week. And I want to take a deeper dive into it because perhaps the greatest hindrance to becoming wise as the Proverbs describes, is our pride. Pride. Think of pride as the enemy of wisdom. It's the one shared characteristic that the foolish have. And the wise are always described as humble. And we read, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. That's in James chapter 4. And that's James quoting Proverbs chapter 3. We need grace to be able to see our pridefulness. And we need grace to be lost in the wonder 
and the love of God for the transformation of the proudest person we all know, and that's ourselves. I'll tell you, I mean, working on this this week was hard because I feel so convicted by all of this. And so just know as I'm speaking to you this, I am speaking to myself as much as to anyone else because we all need the same thing. You know, in the Middle Ages, um, when the church came up with this idea of the seven deadly sins, you know what's number one on that list? It's pride. And there's a logical reason it actually begins with that because the sin of pride more than any other makes God irrelevant. Think about that for a second. If you think about it that way, it actually simplifies why pride is such a big deal in the scriptures. We see in the scriptures God actually wants to love us. He wants us to know him. He wants to fill us with his presence and his wisdom. But that can't be done if, because of our pride, we are already full of ourselves. It uniquely displaces God. Because to be proud, by definition, by definition, means we are full of ourselves. You know, C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity describes pride as a spiritual cancer. A spiritual cancer. And there's a quote in the front of your bulletin, and it says, It eats up the very possibility of love, or contentment, or even common sense. Pride is a spiritual cancer, and it has to be dealt with, because what happens when you leave cancer untreated, if you ignore it, if you don't discover it? It begins to spread. It begins to eat away at all the things that are healthy. It has to be taken head on because it will take things from you when not dealt with. And according to Lewis, even common sense. So what is pride? Well, I want us to uh, think about this a little bit, but maybe we begin here, and I've already alluded to it, but at its heart, pride is self-dependence. Pride is, in a sense, a declaration of our independence from God himself. This is essentially what Adam and Eve did in the Garden of Eden. They said, God, you made us, you created this world, you put us in here, and yet you told us, do not eat from this tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But they said, hey, you know what, God, I don't know if I can trust you. You're trying to keep us sound. We're going to trust ourselves. Your rules and your ways may not be what is best for us. So we say to God, I'm in charge. You see? Go back to Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6, which we looked at in depth last week, where it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. But that is often not what we follow. We may even commit this to memory. But in reality, I think this is what you and I do. We trust in ourselves with all our hearts. We lean entirely on our own understanding. In all our ways, we acknowledge ourselves. And we will make straight our paths. That's really our life motto. The credo of the proud And the Bible, when you go through the book of Proverbs, keeps asking you, hey, how's that working for you? 
How's that working for you? Because when life comes at you, what do you do? We end up redoubling our efforts because it's all up to us. It's self-reliance. And this is the path of folly. Pride is this delusional fantasy that somehow we can figure it all out. And God is displaced. God is made irrelevant. This leads to foolishness, bad decision-making, short-sightedness. And one of the ways self-dependence manifests itself into foolishness is a refusal to listen. There are so many verses on pride. I've just given you a few in the bulletin. Let me give you one that I didn't put in. Proverbs 12, verse 15. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. Pride equals what I believe is right in my own eyes. It's kind of this phantom wisdom, pseudo-wisdom. You already know everything. You know, you're unteachable. You don't need to listen to anybody else. There's a refusal to listen, especially to God. Makes sense, right? Now, the other way pride actually shows itself in self-dependence is this. How do you actually respond to this advice, your attitude? Chapter 13, verse 10. By insolence, meaning being rude, disrespectful. By insolence comes nothing but strife. But with those who take advice is wisdom. So the idea is if someone is giving you advice, are you offended? Are you upset? Are you, do you take it as rudeness because they're actually trying to help you? And the Proverbs is saying when you don't listen to advice and think you have it all figured out and your attitude is rudeness, disrespectful, you take it all personally saying we are fools because we are dependent on ourselves. One more way, maybe a key way for us to understand if you're a Christian, how often we depend on ourselves. And I think the way I know is because I can start gauging my own prayer life. Because the greater your sense of self-dependence, your life in prayer diminishes. Have you ever known that about yourself or noticed that about yourself? Because all of a sudden, there's not as much to thank God for. We don't praise him as much because I figured it out. There's not as much to go to God for. We don't need his intervention. We don't need his kindness because, again, we can figure it out. We lean on our own understanding. And it is when all else fails As a last resort, we often turn to God. And I know this is true of me, but this is when I know there's something not right. When I'm upset, people are giving me advice. When I don't want to hear anybody else, when I'm not praying. Self-dependence, pride, that's at the heart of foolishness. Pride is also self-righteous. You know, Jesus tells a parable in Luke chapter 18 about two men who goes up to the temple to pray One was a tax collector, greedy, traitor, you know, who cheats his own people. And the other is a religious leader, a Pharisee. But the Pharisee shows up who is confident in his own righteousness and prays, God, thank you, I am not like this tax collector. I mean, we don't compare ourselves to God and his standards, but we like comparing ourselves especially to others. So we often can feel better about ourselves. 
This is pride. We compare ourselves to boost our own sense of importance. We are prideful and righteous about so many things. But go back to chapter 11, verse 2, which was read earlier. When pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with the humble is wisdom. When pride comes, then comes disgrace or shame. But with the humble is wisdom. Because think about all the ways we're prideful about our own self-righteousness. You know, when I was traveling um, during sabbatical, I would go to another city or another place. And my first instinct is I'm trying to throw something out. And I'm like, wait, they don't compost here? You know? What, where am I? You know? Um, and we get so judgmental about parenting. You go to a restaurant and you, you start thinking, oh, I'd never let my children act like that in a restaurant. We're prideful about what we eat at the restaurant. You're going to order that? <laughs> you know what's in that? You know, dish? We're righteous about our speech. You know, last month, the IT department at Stanford made it into all of the late-night comedy sketches and the routines. You know why? For this 13-page list of harmful words which should not be used at the university. And it included words like Landlord, peanut gallery, manpower, American, master bedroom. I was like, master bedroom? Okay. The local Palo Alto paper ran an article entitled, Go Away Language Police. You know, because the people are like, wait, 13 pages, this is like a lot, okay? Late night, folks had a field day with all these words. You know, we often have self-righteousness about how we spend our money. You know, you might have gone away on kind of an amazing vacation. Let's say you always wanted to go on a cruise to Alaska. It's this lifelong dream. So you go because you want to see the glaciers, the whales, and see nature. You come back and you're sharing it with a friend. And the person says, you know what? We'd love to take a cruise like that, but... You know, we decided to support an orphanage in Ukraine this year instead. It's like, boom, okay, that just killed everything, right? Whoa. Political self-righteousness? Oh, I'd never vote for. You can fill in the blank. And you know what also happens in the church? This is amazing. We often have gospel self-righteousness, don't we? You know, that person, they just don't get grace. They don't get the gospel. You know, and we give God the stiff arm through all sorts of self-righteousness. When pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with the humble is wisdom. Because we're like the Pharisee in Jesus' parable. Confident of our righteousness. And it makes us fools. Not only is pride self-dependent, self-righteous, it is also self-absorbed. David talked about it a little bit to set up confession this morning. But the prideful person is oftentimes very much into themselves. You know, it's a kind of narcissism. You know the old story of Narcissus? Do you remember this story? This person fell in love with his own reflection in a pool. You know, just he's like, man, I'm so great. And just sits there, just really takes it all in. It's a person who thinks a lot about themselves all the 
time. How am I feeling is the most important question. And this shows up in a couple of ways. The first one is you exalt yourself. And we prayed about this during the prayer of confession. You not only think about yourself all the time, but you overestimate your worth, your significance in the universe. You know, this is a kind of conceit. A very proud person sees the world revolving around yourself. You need your ego stroked. And no one should ever inconvenience you or make you feel a little bit unsettled. And this is why pride invariably in the scriptures, especially in the Proverbs, makes you foolish. Because you may be a genius, IQ off the charts. You might even have high EQ. You may be at the top of your field, unbelievably accomplished. But but because you have a fundamental flaw in your self-understanding, You think you're at the center of the universe at a certain level. The Bible says you are a fool. Um, William Manchester wrote a three-volume biography of Winston Churchill entitled The Last Lion. For those of you who enjoy characters and people like Churchill, one of the things you begin to read or find out in this biography is that he had a very overdeveloped sense of himself. Sir Winston, you know. One of the stories that the biographer recounts is about the many famous speeches Churchill gave, and he gave a lot of them. You know, very memorable lines. He was a great orator. But you know what most of us didn't know is this. The guy spent countless hours lying in his bed, playing records of himself giving speeches, (laughs) caught up in his own greatness. Really, there is a certain kind of foolishness when we lose perspective and begin to think of ourselves as being some great gift to the world. You know, Cornelius Plantinga, uh, in his book, Not the Way It's Supposed to Be, talks about Pride, And he does it in a really kind of humorous way. He says, you know, pride renders a fool unteachable. We already talked about that. Proud people know it all. We talked about that too. You can't tell them anything. They are wise in their own eyes. And he gives these examples. Badly educated ministers who are both vague and dogmatic. Off-key singers who insist on contending for solo parts. Children of Israel who wandered 40 years in the wilderness because even then, the men were unwilling to ask for directions. (laughs) These and other standouts from the rank of the foolish display one of life's most wondrous combinations in a proud person. A stubborn combination of ignorance and arrogance. The foolish, as the saying goes, are often in error, but never in doubt. Some of them give you peace of their minds they can hardly afford to lose. (laughs) But this is who we are. This is who we are. And the other type of self-absorption is the self-deprecating one. Because you can think of yourself as superior in one sense, but you can also think of yourself as inferior Either way, you know what you're doing? You're always thinking about yourself. The person who runs around talking about how broken they are, what a mess, they are not necessarily humble. 
Because if you're doing that to just draw attention to yourself, growing your self-pity, you know what? You are self-absorbed. You talk about yourself quite a bit because true humility is often self-forgetfulness. Proverbs 17, 27 says this, Whoever restrains his words has knowledge, and he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. You know, it's when you begin to speak and you draw all of this attention to yourself, you begin to realize, man, this is about me. And this is a path of folly. Pride is lastly also a prelude, really, to destruction. You know, you may not have opened the Bible at all or very much, but you're probably familiar with this saying. Pride comes before a what? A fall. A fall. It's a prelude to destruction. Why? Because you know why? It's invisible. It often goes undetected. It's the thing you don't look for in all the things you're considering. So, you know what? You're already sitting here probably thinking, oh, I need to send this podcast to so-and-so. You know, maybe I'll hint at it. But you think about other people, but we're not thinking about ourselves. We have this inability to see ourselves rightly, a defensiveness. But look at all these verses that we had listed. When pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with the humble is wisdom. The Lord tears down the house of the proud, but maintains the widow's boundaries. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before fall. Before destruction, a man's heart is haughty, but humility comes before honor. One's pride will bring him low, but he who is lowly in spirit will obtain honor. Why all this talk about pride actually causing harm? Because just think about it for a second, just about the relationships you have. It really alienates you, excuse me, isolates you. Isolates relationships when you're unwilling to listen, when you're prideful, when you're arrogant. You know, you are unwilling to recognize your own wrong and your part in a problem. It destroys relationships because pride keeps us from asking for forgiveness because you always have to be right. Pride keeps us from seeking forgiveness, from granting forgiveness because I'm going to hold it over you. Pride keeps us from moving away from each other. Pride keeps us moving away, I'm sorry, from each other instead of towards each other. And pride, you know what we always do? We keep score. We say, you did this for me. You didn't do this for me. And we live out our lives, not in wisdom, not in grace, but always keeping track of what is owed to me. We have a tally, a ledger. And you know what that does to relationships? It destroys, it hurts, it harms. Think about how this works in our families, maybe in our marriages sometimes. Yes, it's true. You know what? The husband who says, my wife is cold, she is selfish, she's harsh, emotionally unavailable, probably true. (laughs) And the other way is true as well. 
You know? My husband, all he thinks about is everything else but me. It may be all true, but you know what? The reality is all of us can look at this, this thing and is in our eye that keeps us see, from seeing reality and work on the things that we can own. And that's probably a lot. It'll take us a long time to work on it. But if you only see what the other party has done, my goodness, things don't go very well. Humility leads us down a different path. It brings healing. But pride brings destruction. God longs to fill our hearts with something he wants to give us himself. But this won't happen as long as you are full of yourself. Pride is the greatest threat to a deep and rich relationship with God. You know why? Because it distorts all of reality. You know, and if, you're, if wisdom is actually understanding how to make good decisions, you have to take all things into account, including the world that God has created. And why is it that God continues to talk about, I draw near to the brokenhearted, I draw near to the poor, I am close to those who suffer, those who cry out to him. Those who say, I can't fix my situation, they're the ones who are beginning to understand that God is with them. See that? Now, here's the question. How do we break the grip of pride? How do we do that? And I'll tell you what doesn't work, because I was thinking about this. Like, So am I going to tell you to just go be humble? You know, it's like one more thing to do, and then we'll have a whole bunch of people who are proud about how good they are at becoming humble. You know, it's very counterintuitive. So how do you go about doing this? Because it feels like, um, you know, when you get jet lag, when you fly far away, and you realize, I have a meeting early in the morning, or I need to go sightseeing, and you can't sleep, and you you keep telling yourself, I need to go to sleep because I need to rest so I can have a good day. And the pressure actually makes it worse and you can't sleep, okay? And if you keep telling yourself, I just need to be humble, that's the right attitude, but probably not the best strategy. How do you get there, okay? And let's think about this together. Blaise Pascal, who is a great French philosopher and mathematician, he wrote in his book, The Pensees, uh, a line that I think is really great. David Jones gave this to me, so David, thank you. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the only answer for human pride. That's what he said. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the only answer for human pride. You know, Pascal later in life became absolutely convinced Jesus Christ was who he said he was. And as he reflected on pride, he said, Jesus is the only answer. He's a smart guy. He didn't say, well, you need to go try harder to be humble. Go and try all of these things in order to create hum- humbleness and humility in you. But he understood something. Something Jesus said. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. This is Jesus speaking in Matthew chapter 23. Because he's saying when you look at the gospel of Jesus Christ, what is that actually telling you? 
It's telling you something about God himself. That he descended, became one of us in humility. He hung on the cross. He did these things. Why? Because he's saying, think about it. Why? Because you know what? We can't fix ourselves. We can't fix ourselves. We can't fix our problems. When I measure myself against God's standards, I cannot stand. I am an utter failure. I cannot live the life I owe. And I deserve to die. And yet on the cross, what is God saying? You are so bad off, you can't even fix yourself. I'm going to come to do it for you. We are more sinful than we dare think. And God is saying, I'm covering up all of that through my son, Jesus Christ. Think about that. What do you have to be proud of? You can't do enough to meet my standards. And some of you might be saying, wow, okay, that's good. For those arrogant people, that's what they need to hear. But I fall into a different category. I feel like a failure all the time. I feel like a fraud here. I feel like a fraud at school. There's all these people who are super smart. I thought I was smart, but I don't feel smart anymore. I don't even live up to my own standards. I'm constantly measuring myself to others. I'm not proud. But here's what the cross also tells you. The cross says, hey, no matter how much you think you don't deserve the love of God, here's what you need to remember. God showing up, taking on human form, going to the cross. Why did he do that? To just balance out good and evil in the world? No. It was for love. He's saying, I want you. I want to embrace you. I want to bring you home and make you mine. And the cross tells us, when you begin to see that and believe that, you feel this incredible love where God is lifting you up. My goodness. This is the path through which human pride is done away with. Because the gospel, on the one hand, will never inflate you because it is an assault on human pride, right? But the gospel will never deflate you because the gospel always says you are more sinful than you imagine, but you are more loved than you ever dared hope. Jesus and Jesus alone gives you the crown you need to stand on. Pascal said one other thing. He said, Jesus is a God whom we can approach without pride, without anything in our hands, and before whom we can humble ourselves without despair. These are the truths, my friend. You know, if you want to experience wisdom, it, it, the more you think about how do you gain wisdom, it's not something you can just pile up. The deeper you go into relationship with Jesus because he is the embodiment of wisdom at every level and this begins to penetrate deeply into every nook and cranny of your life. When life hits you, you're able to take everything into account and begin to walk in the path of wisdom 
that honors God, that loves honors others, that lifts your heart and fills you up to experience the life as God intended. That's our prayer for us today. And this morning, I want to encourage you, go to him. Go to our God and say, God, I need your wisdom. I need your son. I need a greater measure of his love in order that I would walk in the path of wisdom. Let's go to him in prayer. Father, we thank you that this morning again, you give us words of life. You tell us hard things that we have to turn from ourselves and look to you. But you do so in the cradle of safety of knowing that you love us so deeply, that you are a God for us, that you are a God who longs to have us as part of your family. And Father, as we deal with our own pride, our own sins, help us never to lose sight of that reality and all that Jesus has accomplished on the cross. This morning, fill us with hope. Fill us with wisdom. Fill us with humility, we ask, Lord, so that we may go out as people who make the world see how beautiful you truly are. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.